And this is Paul. Paul? Yes. It's just the two of us. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try, just the two of us, you and I. I. <laughs> well, you know what else we, we just found, the two we of We found our karaoke song, Paul. <laughs> I always thought it was You Don't Bring Me Flowers, but I think it's this one. Yeah, this one I know the words for. Um, <laughs> so when I logged on, uh, yes, yeah, what else was just the two of us was we recorded earlier this week. Uh, an episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, which is net right now on the Star Trek with Aaron and Polly feed, or you can go to iomgeek.com and uh, listen to it there. And so I loaded up uh, my computer this morning, or I opened up my computer this morning, and we record our, our podcast on Skype and record that way. Um, and it gave me a, a message and it said, how did you feel about the quality of this call? And I'm like, <laughs> well, I mean, it was okay. Like... It was an okay episode. It wasn't our best. Like, are you asking me to rank this episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly? Like, I guess I'd give it like a four out of five. I mean, <laughs> Paul, was... you're doing you're doing a, number one. You're doing a hard sell there. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and number two, I don't think that's the quality that they were they were inquiring about, Paul. Right. I think they were asking about the call quality, not the quality of the episode, <laughs> not the quality of the content, yeah, not the quality of the company. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you know, if you're rating the quality of this call, we're a little bit without Tim. We're a little bit without Wayne. So automatically that's an extra star in the rating. Yes. Right? Yeah. Perhaps yeah. two. Yeah. I mean, we are full quieting the repeaters today. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. We are five by five. <laughs> Well, I wanted to give you guys um, an update. Uh, I, I have finished officially watching Titans Season 1 on the DC Universe as of this oh, week. Yeah. I powered through it because I'm like, God damn it, I am off on Monday. I am going to start binge-watching The Punisher Season 2. I want to be done with Titans before then, so I plowed I, through it. I, I love that I've got a three-day weekend I'm going to watch some TV. Yes. That is, that is, that is Paul's jam. I have a three day weekend and no plans. I'm not going out of town. I am going to binge watch some Punisher. It's not, I'm going to go clean the garage or Uh, I'm going to enjoy life outside the house. It is by God. I'm going to watch some motherfucking TV. Yeah. We have a storm. Eat a a bag of Doritos. Oh yes. I need to get some. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about Titans, Paul. So, um, you know, it is, it is surprisingly dark. Um, which we, we, we've talked about, you know, if this is a, probably our third or fourth time talking about it, but I just wanted to provide an update. It's gratuitously violent and profane in certain ways. Like, like it doesn't need as many F-bombs as it has. It doesn't need as much blood as it has to get the same point across. Um, that being said, I, I genuinely enjoyed it. I thought the season ended um, shitty. Uh, Not in that the episode was shitty, but apparently this was not originally intended to be the season finale, but they decided to make it the season finale. And it very much feels that way in that. So do you you mean like cut an episode? So we're just going to end a a little short? Yeah. Yeah. Like apparently they even filmed the other episode, but they decided to use it as the season opener for season two to start the season opener. um, Because apparently the season finale, the originally planned season finale, like ended the season one storyline. Right. Um, and rather than ending on a cliffhanger, well, they decided instead to end on the cliffhanger that leads into the se- what was originally the season finale. And it very much feels that way. It feels like the season ended before the season ended. Like right. it is genuinely like it ends just, right before the final bite fight. Yeah, it's just like somebody turned off the lights, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, wow. OK, 
Things are getting good. Final fight's about to happen. Oh, 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 it's over. Wow. Yeah, I, I was I was surprised that they did that. Interesting. Well, you know, I la- after our conversation last time about DCU, I went and checked what my viewing uh, options were because I'd gotten excited that that DCU was included on the Amazon Fire Stick or whatever they, they call their device. And I thought that might mean that there's a channel in Prime for it. And there is not yet, you know, so yeah, I don't have not. the same option in Prime to purchase the channel like I do for CBS All Access. And uh, so that's what I'm waiting for, because I, I really much prefer that interface than using like a Google Chrome or a Fire Stick. Yeah, I got to say what the, which is, is which is frustrating for me. Um, but if DC Universe wants to succeed, they need to get on all appropriate applications and yeah. offer a free month um, yeah. because I, I don't believe they offer one now. And I think I think they offer like seven days. I think yeah. that's what the what the preview yeah. time is right now. And, and you're right. That's not enough to to whet your appetite. No, no. So, I mean, even Hulu offers a free month. Like, come on. Um, yeah. Again, Titans, I enjoyed it. I, I genuinely enjoyed it. I thought it was well done, well acted, well directed. Um, you know, I, I had some issues with some of the content, but not because I'm a prude, but because it felt unnecessary. Sure. Um, and, you know, we've talked about who is this appealing to ultimately, you know, basically you're doing a Watchmen ish take on the Titans. Who, who actually does that appeal to, <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 <laughs> like, like 18 Titans is, is genuine is generally more of a, um, and I understand it's not teen Titans, it's Titans, but I understand, yeah. but it's, you know, it's, it's a more younger leaning bent, uh, generally, and so I was kind of surprised that they they took that turn with it, but I did enjoy it, and I will well, watch good. the at least the season premiere of season two. Well, you know, as soon as uh, you know they they do something on Amazon Prime or or something like that that's a streaming service that I already have, mm-hmm. um, you know, that where it's easy, where my interface is easy, uh, I'll jump right in. And what what makes me happy about that is that there'll be some content there for me to enjoy. You know, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, have, I have a backlog of things to to watch. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get in there eventually. I just got to make, they just need to make it a little bit more easy for me. Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, you know, speaking of streaming services, uh, I'm going to star Wars celebration in April. And, uh, apparently, uh, there's like, now the, is that in Florida or California? Neither. It's actually in Chicago this year. Oh, really? Yeah. And I've never wow. been to Chicago, so I'm looking forward I, to it. I love Chicago. I have a whole list of bars and restaurants for you to go to. Okay. Yes. Yeah, send them I, my way. I, I love Chicago, one of my favorite cities. I'm very much looking forward to Star Wars Celebration this year. And apparently, uh, right before Star Wars Celebration, there's the Disney investor call or something like that, investor meeting um, that they have every year where they announce a bunch of shit. Um, And they will be coming with a first look at the new Disney Plus streaming service and as as well as the content of it, including The Mandalorian. So I would imagine um, we'll see a lot of content from The Mandalorian at Star Wars Celebration in April. Can I can I ask you a, a a little bit of a personal question? Sure. Are you a shareholder? I am not. Okay. Why why am I am I swilling too much for Disney? No no no. I I just I you had mentioned the the shareholder call and uh, you know I I, I wish. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said I that? wish. Well, I'm not. You know, one of the things that that I I I keep telling myself, and this is you know as I as I. Uh, you know, plan for retirement, that sort of thing. Um, 
because, you know, that's something that you do when you're younger <laughs> is plan for your retirement. Right. Uh, you know, cause I'm, I'm, what am I 20 now? Um, <laughs> uh, I try to invest in things that I enjoy, right. Things that I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just curious if that's what, that, that, that's what you were doing. I do, I do not personally hold any Disney stock at this time, but it is on my list because, you know, I try to, if I understand a product and I think that product's got value and that it continues to have value, I think that's something that I should actually invest in. Yeah. I don't think you know? the Disney bubble is going to burst any time in the next uh, yeah. number of years between Star Wars land and and you know all the numerous things. Now don't get me wrong that not everything that they've done is a home run, but they have enough diversification um, to I think warrant uh, contributing or you know warrant put investing in it. But of Absolutely. course I'm sure it's it's expensive to invest in. So the returns Agreed. aren't as much as if you had invested maybe 10 years ago right before the Star Wars deal or something like that. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, you know, another thing that Disney has coming out this year is uh, Spider-Man Far From Home comes out this summer, and they released the trailer this week. And um, Aaron, I don't mean to spoil it for you, yes, but, but it's very readily out there that Spider-Man Far From Home takes place after the events of Avengers Endgame. So, oh, really? It's so, not. It's not. It's not prior to. No. So, spoiler warning: we still have a planet, and Spider-Man's alive, <laughs> and so is Aunt May. <laughs> well. Well, and we still have Marissa Tomei. So. Yeah, we still have Marissa Tomei, and we still have Nick Fury. Um, and uh, you know, but people are freaking out. Why is Nick Fury in the trailer? Who who evaporated? But why isn't Tony Stark in the trailer? Is what everyone's asking. Especially since it takes place after Ooh. Endgame. You know, why isn't Tony Stark in in the Spider-Man trailer? He was so prevalent in previous media, and I think part of that is you know leaving the mystery out there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But what did you think of Spider-Man: Far From Home? The trailer. First of all, first of all, I would I would have been just as happy watching a trailer with just Aunt May because uh, Marissa Tomei is smoking hot. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> damn. Uh, she is just so so delightful on screen. I could just I could just watch Aunt May all day long. Uh, that said, I, I thought the the trailer looked fantastic. Uh, you know, I am not a big Mysterio fan in the comics. Oh, I am. Uh, I but love Mysterio. I, I thought he looked great on film. Is that the same guy that plays uh, Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones? No, that's Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay, I couldn't. I, I only got such a brief glimpse of him. I mm-hmm. couldn't tell who the actor was. Yeah, uh-huh. and it didn't sound like him. But there, with the with the beard and whatnot, it kind of looked like him. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Jake Gyllenhaal playing Mysterio, and you know, it looks very similar to how Mysterio first premiered in the comics. That he right. he seemed like a hero, um, but we we certainly have a bunch of special effects in the trailer. Um, you know, Spider Man is on uh, a school field trip in was it Italy? Uh, yeah. Yeah. In Italy. Yeah. Um, it looks like a lot of fun. I, 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 you know, I think Tom Holland is a great Spider-Man. Um, I, I feel it was poor decision-making to release the trailer this early. Uh, you know, why, why couldn't that just be attached at the end of Avengers Endgame? It feels, you know, like we know a when Spider-Man it, movie is coming, but yeah. When's it coming out? Avengers, uh, comes out the no, last. No, no. When is Spider-Man coming out? I believe July. 
So yeah, that's there's plenty of time. I think you could have done a different kind of teaser trailer. Yeah, I mean it's called a teaser trailer, but boy, you get a lot of stuff in it. Yeah, it's a, it's a significant length for a teaser trailer. A teaser trailer yeah. is like the other news that I forgot to put on our outline. Um, what I'm, uh, I'm going to talk about, which is that Ivan Reitman's son, I saw that, is doing a new Ghostbusters film in continuity. Movie. Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's what's got me excited, and is, it has a teaser trailer out there. That that is oh, really? genuinely a teaser trailer. It's like thirty I've seconds not, long. I've not seen that, but I did read the article that uh, that uh, Ivan's boy is is doing uh, the Ghostbusters in continuity. Which I mean, that is exactly what I was hoping for. Yeah, was that they would do that. Now, don't get me wrong. I actually did enjoy the Paul Feig, um, you know, all female uh, Ghostbusters reboot. I thought it was well done. I enjoyed. it. I saw it in three D. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, what, is it something that I would have co- probably gone for repeat viewings or, you know, had it turned into a series stuck with it? Probably not, but, um, I enjoyed the movie, but I am super excited about this. I, uh, I have not watched the, uh, Lady Ghostbusters movie. Really? Um, I have not. I, I, I was not, what's her name? Melissa uh, McCarthy. Yes. I am not a, a big Melissa McCarthy fan. Uh, and so I, I, I'm very careful about which Melissa McCarthy movies I'll watch. Well, I will say uh, I abhor Melissa McCarthy. I cannot <laughs> stand her. And I got to tell you, I don't, I'm not a fan of anyone in that movie, um, uh-huh. but uh, nor am I a fan of the director. But for some reason, the combination worked and I, I did enjoy it. And I think it's probably because Melissa McCarthy isn't that Melissa McCarthy in the yeah, movie. I mean, in her comedies, she tends to play a like character yeah. right you know, the very crass you know sort of a female character and i guess the first time i saw that i thought it was funny and then you know subsequently that's what she played in several other movies and i'm like oh i'm not enjoying this yeah. <laughs> you know uh i i have enjoyed her in other roles where she's not playing that over the top you know really crass character but uh i'm just not a big melissa mccarthy fan but i you know uh, tangentially i finally saw oceans eight which was the, you know, all female Ocean's oh, Eleven. I never saw that. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, is it? I heard it, it wasn't really, good. It is really bad. It's a whole lot of, of Sandra Bullock wearing way too much eyeliner and uh, having these sort of smoldering looks at the camera and then, you know, walking through situations in, uh, you know, uh, couture where it is a really, really bad movie. Mm. And it's a, it, there's none of the... Uh, cool slick joy of like oceans 11 yeah you know the heist movie oceans 11 mm-hmm. um and, and yeah, there's just none of that it, it just doesn't land and you know, i look, kept looking at my wife i'm like is it my imagination or is this really bad she goes oh no this is really bad <laughs> <laughs> well have you uh, have you seen the john wick movies i have not oh so that is surprising those are damn good flicks um, surprisingly good, considering it's Keanu Reeves. Well, and that's the, the that's what keeps me out of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've got Keanu issues. I do too, but I got to tell you, they surprised me. I think they surprised everyone, which is part. It's it, it's kind of like Taken, right? Yeah. That that Taken, at least the first one, took everyone by surprise, and much like the John Wick um, and John Wick Two, unlike Taken Two, <laughs> actually, uh, it made the series better. And uh, the trailer for John Wick Three came out this week. Looks pretty that. badass, but what I didn't realize is the director of the John Wick movies, um, Chad Stahelski, uh, 
is apparently uh, has been hired to to do the reboot of Highlander. You know, the the latest in the line of people hired to do the remake of Highlander. Um, Yeah, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for uh, over nine years now, and we have been talking about a Highlander reboot for over nine years now. Yeah. Just saying. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he he has a quote that I thought was very interesting. Um, He says, and I'm just going to quote here, uh, we're just trying to figure out the best way to not fuck it up. Uh, Not to try and fit it into a one-hour, 45-minute movie, which when your pitch is there can be only one, and in your first movie you kill everybody but the one, sequels have a problem of happening. So we're trying to design in a way that gives us a little more lead-in, a little more time with the mythology, and seems some of the best characters. Um, We're trying to devise a methodology that leads up to the quickening. Um, And so it's a a longer quote, but I I think uh, I, I appreciate that they're approaching it from a standpoint of, okay, yes, there can be only one, but... Like maybe this, you know, much like the first Highlander series after that initial movie, it's like, oh, wait, there is more than one. And that was, you know, the stakes weren't as high. Um, right. And they're going in with that thinking. And I, I so I appreciate that. Hopefully, I, I got to say Highlander is a concept that I love, but a series that um, just degraded over time. Oh, yeah. Um, no, to, it, to the point that wildly, that last one is unwatchable. Yeah. Wildly eroded in yeah. quality. Um, you know, I think that that we can go ahead and start doing some of our fantasy casting. And so in keeping with having Scotsmen play Egyptians masquerading as Spaniards, I'm casting James McAvoy uh-huh. in the role yeah. of uh, of uh, Sean Connery's character from the first movie. Yes. And the second movie, I guess. Yeah. I mean, James McAvoy could just play both both characters. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you've got to have a Frenchman play the Scotsman. Do we have a lot of French actors out there nowadays? <laughs> I think you still go with Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of James McAvoy, uh, are you seeing Glass while it's in theaters? Or are you waiting for a television? I talked Suzanne, mm-hmm. who has seen none of those movies, uh, to watch Unbreakable with me and to watch uh, uh, Split. Mm-hmm. Uh, with me before we go see it. So yeah, my plan is to see Glass in theaters. Yeah, I'm same here. I'm 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 looking forward to seeing it. I have heard nothing but negative things, but I am still looking forward to seeing it. You uh, know, I, I I feel like the world is awfully critical of M Night Shyamalan. Uh, really I, so. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I really enjoyed Split, and you know my abiding. Oh, I did too. My breakable. Um, I I I think that you just can't go in there expecting the sixth sense every time. No. Yeah, I agree. So we'll uh, see. I'm, yeah, I'm, no, I'm hopeful. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see it just for the payoff. I yeah. mean, you know, the, the fact that that Split was a surprise secret in continuity film with Unbreakable was amazing. Yeah, I wasn't actually planning on seeing Split until that got spoiled for me. And then I said, oh, I'm going to go see Split now. I, I will, I'll be honest with you, the the as much as I like James McAvoy, uh, Split held no appeal to me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because it looked like, you know, oh, God, you know, I, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's making slasher movies now, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think it's I think I think it's a marvelous film. And McAvoy is fantastic in it. And McAvoy's one of those guys who kind of disappears into roles. Yeah, he keeps getting you know? better and better, that guy. He really does. He really does. He, he is. He is a fine wine improving with age. Yes. Well, much like 
Marissa Tomei. <laughs> Tomei. Um, so in comics this week, Marvel Comics Presents has actually, we're going to talk about two books that have returned from the dead, much like Spider-Man. Um, Marvel Comics Presents is back uh, now. Uh, I think the last published issue of Marvel Comics Presents, at least, you know, that I remember was late 80s maybe early 90s um it's certainly been a while uh probably early 90s since marvel comic presents um was in in comic stores on a regular basis and and for those who don't remember uh it's an anthology series sometimes um usually about three stories per title a lot of great artists got their start in marvel comics presents um like eric larson um was one of them and uh sometimes it's a short story that'll begin and end in the same issue sometimes that story will continue on into multiple issues just small chunks at a time um but there's always three stories and so under a gorgeous art adams cover uh for marvel comics presents number one we have three stories featuring wolverine captain america and namor and i i I think one of the things to, to remark about marvel comics presents and you know it's kind of like in that same zone of like Marvel fanfare, uh, those kinds of books where a lot of times the content is not a level premium content. A lot of times it is, you know, particularly back in the eighties, you had artists producing, uh, file stories, you know, which is to say, you know, we're going to, we're going to buy, we're going to have you go ahead and, and, uh, uh, buy your script. We're going to illustrate your script and we're going to put it in a file for when we need it some other time. We might need it when we're going to miss a deadline. We might need it for, you know, uh, backup in, a, in another book, what have you. But it's not a it's not anything that would get garner its own title. And usually they were not stories that were bought specifically for that book. Like we're going to we're going to buy these three stories and we're going to put them in Marvel Comics Presents. You know, it's just like, what do we got in the file? What do we want to do? And I want to say and I I could be wrong, probably am. I believe it was Archie Goodwin back in the day who said, hey, we've got all of these stories in the bank. Let's plug them in. Let's let's have a, uh, a a title where we can plug these kinds of things in. And you know, to, to be able to use those those filed stories, those purchased stories that really had no place to go. Um, and what I found really interesting about this is that not none, not a single one of these three stories felt that way. They felt like they were uh, drawn and written specifically for this issue. I agree. I, and, I, and perhaps I, these were, you know, and back in the day yeah. it was different. Marvel had a t- huge catalog of, like you said, these um, these fill-in issues, right? They, yeah. they, they would Almost out-of-continuity kinds of stories, yeah. right? I mean, not even for Marvel Comics Presents. Your artist is getting behind, throw in a quick fill-in issue just to get exactly. the book out on time. You know, no, DC absolutely. was very guilty of that when New 52 first started as well. Well, and you're right. And, you know, Marvel was, was really big on that for a couple of reasons. One, they want to give new artists work so they can see how they, how they perform and, you know, have something to look at and go, okay, well, you know, this guy can draw, you know, Spider-Man swinging from a rooftop. Maybe we can use him in a book somewhere, you know? So, and you know, back in, God, back in the eighties and nineties, you had so many situations where someone was going to miss a deadline. You'd be in the middle. I'm, I will never forget, you know, being in the middle of, you know, a big, big, fantastic four arc, you know, you're reading uh, the issue this month and it says, you know, next week, next month, the conclusion and next month comes and it is not the conclusion. <laughs> you know, it is a filler story. 
uh, because they didn't make their deadline, even though they'll have the cover <laughs> demonstrating yeah. Dr. Doom beating the hell out of, of, of Fantastic Four. You read the story and Dr. Doom is nowhere in there. No. You know, you know, the cover de- definitely did not match the story. But, you know, that is not what this book is. And, you know, we've got three. Uh, I'll go ahead and say it, Paul. We have three really strong stories. I agree. Feature, featuring one with Wolverine, one with uh, Namor, and one with Captain America. And I enjoyed the hell out of all three of these. I, I really say, was going. Oh, go ahead. I was I was going in expecting. Well, you know, we're going to get three of these. I'm probably going to enjoy one. Yeah. Right. I mean, even though the uh, you know at, at least you know knowing the artists involved, I'm going to like looking at the pictures. Yeah. But I enjoyed all three of these stories. I did too. I thought the Captain America one was the weakest of the three. I I would agree. Um, that one felt most like the the back matter of Captain America issue 600 or something. You know, right. like yeah, um, it just felt like a throwaway cute little tale. But the the Namor story um, is is quite well done, especially when you in, in consider the fact that it's written by Greg Pak. Well, um, and I feel like it ties nicely into Invaders number one, which yes, came out this week, and absolutely. we'll talk about it in just a moment. Yeah. Uh, and I read this but, before Invaders number one, which I'm grateful for, because like you said, very much like similar threads. Yeah, absolutely. Very similar threads, you know, same tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I mean, it almost feels like the, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but they do feel like companion pieces. Agreed. And uh, the Logan story, what I liked about this Logan story is that it doesn't require that you know anything else about Logan other than that, that he is long lived, mm-hmm. you know, so he's yeah. seen a lot of history and, you know, he's got claws yeah. and that's really all you needed to know coming into this. And hey, Nazis. Yeah, and, I thought it was hey, well done. Gypsies casting spells. I mean, I was like, what's not to like about this? Yeah, it kind of reminded me of something that like Bruce Jones and like maybe Kelly Jones on Art or Bernie writes and very much in yeah. the vein of like one of those old like superhero that you don't normally see in a horror setting in this horror story. Um, I, I, it, I like that story quite a bit. And it did feel a little bit like Hellboy to me. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I mean, you know, particularly the the whole, hey, you know, the Nazis are making somebody, you know, create this, do this mystic ritual in the middle of the night, you know, amidst all the war ruins. I'm like, are we summoning up Hellboy? What are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, spoilers. Yeah, kind of did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I dug it. I, I thought I thought it was beautifully drawn. I thought it was well written. Uh, I, I dug it. Now, and I like that it sets up you know, uh, an ongoing story or a three part story where, you know, Wolverine is linked to, uh, the family that's, that started this mystic ritual. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward to the next piece. I will definitely pick up issue two of Marvel comics presents. And I'm, I'm thankful for that because, you know, I hope I I picked up the book and as excited as I was for it, it, honestly, Marvel comics presents it's, it's, it's it's uneven, right? It is absolutely, you know, it's, it's totally dependent on what, what books are in it. Um, and like you said, even you went in thinking, eh, maybe only the first issue, maybe only one one of these stories will be good. But all three I, I typically don't like anthology books, See? you know, because because the the content is so uneven. Yeah, you know. Well, hey, bright side of things, next issue not only has the continuation of the the Logan story, we have a Mister Fantastic and Monkey Man. Well, I mean, two separate stories: a Mister Fantastic story and a Monkey Man story. Yeah, no, I'm 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 excited. I, I think I think that looks great. Uh, if we could limit our exposure to Greg Land, uh, yeah. that would be great. Because boy, I, you know, he when he is not drawing women, 
I think he does beautiful artwork. Mm-hmm. But when he draws women, they are so clearly drawn from models. Yeah. You know, and almost like fashion models in the way they express and emote. Uh, I find it super annoying. Like his drawing of Captain America didn't. Yeah, I, I thought his, his drawing of Captain America and the settings and the props I thought were great. No, pro- no problem with any of that at all. None of the, no problem with the action. I thought he did a beautiful job depicting the uh, motorcycle jump mm-hmm. at the beginning of the story and at the end of the story. Um, I thought that was great. Um, every time a woman shows up in a panel, they look like models. Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel it just feels like he's tracing out of a magazine or something. It like does, you know. And you know, he tries to. There is a a a girl and her mother in the story. And so he tries to age up mom while keeping her hot. And the way he does that is he adds a little bit of wrinkle above her nose. Yeah. And that annoys the living tar out of me. Because, <laughs> you know, while he's still he's still keeping her, you know, hot, hot model mom, you know, is what she looks like. The only way he, he discerns age is by that little crinkle over her nose. Yeah. And the you get the impression that this is a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. In the story, oh yeah, and there are times where she looks like a twenty-five-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on just, which which picture he traced, which model he was. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And I, I just it just bothered me. And the 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 scene where Mom wakes up, you know, she Captain America is coming home after having saved the world from something, and he's he's got a blown out uh, tire on his motorcycle, and so he encounters this girl, you know, doing stunts with her bicycle. And she offers to help him out, and he's like, "Well, you know, you can't give me that. I got to do something for you. I'll fix your your your, your uh, dirt bike." She's like, "Oh, great!" So he's sitting there uh, working on her dirt bike, right? Mm-hmm. When mom comes home, and mom's all pissed off that you know Captain America is there fixing a dirt bike that she really doesn't want fixed because she worries about her daughter hurting herself doing stunts. And you know, she's like, "You you get you you get your shit and you get the hell out of here, Captain America." Is essentially what she says to him. And so she wakes up in the morning, mom, and instead of it just being, you know, a woman opening her eyes or something, waking up in the morning, she's she wakes up as sex kitten mom. Yeah. The way she's clutching the blanket to her chest and her her bare legs are exposed and, you know, the, the hair falling seductively down the side of her face. And it, they, he just hypersexualizes her in a scene in which she doesn't need to be hypersexualized. Yeah. And it really bothers me. The only credit I give to him on that is he, she's clearly sleeping with a shirt on because you can see the straps on her yeah. shoulders. But you know everything else about her says naked. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it, it's it's unnecessary, and it, but it's it is. it's what you get when you hire Greg Land, basically. Ugh, fucking hate Greg Land. I mean, I'm sure he's a delightful man. I hate the way he draws. Yeah, I don't hate him personally. Yeah, no, no, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I just his, the way he draws women is just ridiculous and i mean the the teenage girl again she looks age inappropriate in that mm-hmm. i think she's supposed to be somewhere between you know 14 and 17 yeah and yet there there are there are scenes here where she looks like she's a potential love interest for steve rogers yeah and that that bothered me so anywho i, I but i mean Again, I still enjoyed the story. Yeah, and but I, I just hated the 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 the, the Greg Land uh, visual storytelling. Agreed, agreed. Well, and you know, we we had mentioned how this book very much feels like a companion piece to Invaders Number One. I wasn't planning on getting this book, but Aaron bought it, so I bought it, 
<laughs> and so Invaders number one um, features, uh, you know, uh, th- this this story thread that's been set up in Avengers where Namor has gone batshit crazy. And he is like ready to fuck up the world uh, right now. And, we, and no one really knows why. They haven't explicitly, at least in the issues of Avengers that I've read, explicitly stated what, what was the turning point for him that has caused him to basically say, you know what, I'm just going to take over the world. Um, but, you know, Captain America and his friends, the invaders, are like, we, we, we've got to do something about it. And that's the story we're getting in Invaders from Trip, Chip Zdarsky and Carlos Magno with Butch Geese, Geis. Um, and, you know, once you said the invaders by Butch Geis, you, you really can't go wrong. So, <laughs> so I went ahead and picked out the book. And, uh, Aaron, what did you think of this one? I love this book. I did too. Uh, uh, there was so much in it. Um, where the, I mean, I know Chip Zdarsky wrote it, but it, it was striking notes, very Ed Brubaker-ish, you know, from, from Brubaker's run of, uh, Captain America. Um, and I think that's got a lot to do with the way Butch Geist has drawn the book. Um, the, 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 the visual elements of this book are just striking. Um, you know, you're getting flashbacks from World War II, you're getting, you know, current story under the sea. And you're getting, you know, Captain America in both, you know, as with Namor, you're getting Captain America in both eras, you know, struggling with the, the, the war back then and struggling with what's developing now. And you I mean, I just I think this book is fantastic. I, I yeah, think it that feels like it should. Right. It feels like, yeah, you know, the these characters who are, you know, our friend has gone off the rails let's get the band back together to see what's going on. And it's just yeah. so well written and, and the art is gorgeous. Uh, both artists do a, a, an yeah. excellent job. Butch Geese or Geis um, does like the past stuff. And Carlos Magno, I think I said, um, uh-huh. does the, mo- the modern day stuff, but they're, it's not, even though it's different artists and it's clearly different artists, it doesn't feel obtrusive that it's different artists. No, it well, helps delineate the times. Absolutely, and you you know where you are in the story, um, and you know we talked about how in Marvel Comics presents it felt like a companion piece. So in that in the Namor story that appears in MCP, uh, it is the the moments after the bombing of Hiroshima. Yes, and. You know, Namor is flipping the fuck out. He's like, you know, I, I, I fought these Germans for you because they were murdering everybody and we we're tr- trying to stop the killing. And you guys murder an entire city. And then he finds out that Nagasaki's happening and he flies out to stop Nagasaki and winds up in the atomic blast over Nagasaki. And what I found, what I loved about it, you know, is that it, it cues up the amnesiac period that Namor has, you know, cause you know, Namor disappears at the end of world war two and doesn't show up until later on in the original run of the fantastic four where the human torch finds him at a homeless shelter. Right. Um, and it cues that up beautifully. And then in the pages of invaders, number one, uh, the original human torch, the Android Jim, and I forget his last name. Yeah. Uh, Jim is right. Yeah. He, he is putting together a invader's story, you know, from those people who were there. So he's out there talking to, to, you know, not just Captain America, but also, 
some of the non-invaders folks, you know, who were supporting them. And he is gifted a, a photo album. And one of the photos that he finds from the photo album is an image during that period when uh, Prince Namor has amnesia of Prince Namor and Charles Xavier. And, you know, it's like, what the hell is Professor X doing there? Right. And it just it cues up this great story. Um, and I mean, I'm like, OK, fuck, I am in. Yeah, I am in. It has been a long time since I have been rewarded with not just a good Namor story, but a good Invaders story. I mean, I so want to read an Invaders book that's high quality and I just n- never seem to get that. And th- this has got me wildly excited. If I am if I am not buying any other book at Marvel, I will be happy to buy this Invaders book. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the mystery uh, of this book. I don't believe it's an ongoing series, but I will I will continue this story, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. So yeah, it, thank you. It doesn't need to be an ongoing. I'm happy for it not to be any ongoing as yeah. long as they are they give me a beginning, middle, and end that are all worthwhile. Yep. Yeah. Damn good. I wouldn't have picked it up yeah. if it wasn't for you. So uh, I really <laughs> did enjoy it. And, uh, See, Paul, this this is the way you bring people to books. You don't give them Spaceman, Paul. <laughs> I mean, that was like eight <laughs> years ago. <laughs> but still, you're on that cross. That's yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> uh, well, and finally, uh, the last book we wanted to talk about this week was Superman number seven from DC Comics. Brian Michael Bendis, Ivan Rice continue, and actually Brandon Peterson um, also on art, and, and a page by Jason Favok recycled. Um, from the Man of Steel series. Uh, so this is, yeah, according to the, the the cover, Superboy's Lost Years. Even though technically it's really just the start of Superboy's Lost Years. He has returned. Right. He's 17 years old. Seven years have passed. Um, and scarred. Yeah. Um, and, and scarred. And, you know, for some reason, you know, Superman says, you've only been gone three weeks, which, like... It feels like this has been an awful lot of pomp and circumstance for it to have only been three weeks. Uh-huh. You know, given the whole Lois Lois is missing. Oh, Lois is back. She didn't tell me. Like, all of this has only been three weeks. Are you kidding me yeah. right now? Yeah. Um, first of all, that reveal was like, the fuck? Um, second of all, I'm out on Superman, officially. Yeah. This, this sucked. Yeah. Yeah, no, this was... I, and there are things I liked about this book. I liked the artwork. Yeah. Um, but I will say there are some things in the book where, you know, there, there are transitions from panel to panel that just didn't land for me. Um, and I, and I can't tell if that's script or if that's visual storytelling by the artist or both. Um, but you know, Lois (laughs) getting all sex kitten with Superman before she realizes that Jonathan's with him. Mm -hmm. Um, Made me laugh. I gotta say, I really like all this sexy Lois Lane we've been getting lately. Yeah. I, 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 I DC, keep that up. <laughs> but, you know, they're going to have to keep it up without me because I, I don't see me buying this book again. Yeah, I'm out on this And the, the uh, it's not, it's not that the book was poorly written. It's not that the book was poorly drawn. It's not even that I wasn't entertained in the book. It is... Bendis does not have this character right. He doesn't have Superman made a decision. Superman and Lois made a decision that I can't I can neither abide nor support. Um, It is so wildly out of character 
that they allowed that Superman and I hate to put it in these terms because, you know, he and Lois are married and that's a partnership. I cannot imagine a scenario in which Superman would allow his son and wife to go off into deep space with a man who he was already questioning his motivations and his sanity. Well, and he, I mean, straight up a murderer, like he had people imprisoned. Like, I mean, nothing, nothing Jarrell has done since returning, um, you know, in the pages of Rebirth or even before then has been good. He, he, he's a bad guy. Like basically he might as well have let Jonathan go out of town with Lex Luthor, you know? Yeah. I mean, and so that, that, that decision alone where Superman allows that is, is, is wrong. And then you compound it with the fact that Lois decides she's going to abandon her son in deep space. And keep in mind, yeah, John is super. John was 11 years old, 12 years old yeah. when she abandoned him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, she she comes back to Earth and just gets settled into writing her book. And now we see the results of all of that where Jonathan is back and he's now 17 years old and scarred and has lived years out in deep space, uh, suffering terrible things. And he, he's like, and that's when I realized grandpa's crazy, not, not, not friendly, crazy, like, you know, bad guy, crazy. And I'm like, well, of course he is. And your father, your father knew that. Yeah. Um, and these are not the kinds of decisions that Superman makes. And I understand Bendis created this situation so that he could tell this story, but it's a, it's a situation where Superman is altered in terms of who he is so that Bendis could tell this story. And I think you could still tell this story, but the reason why Bendis did it the way he did it is he didn't want to spend months of Superman looking for Jonathan. Because if Grandpa had just shown up and taken Jonathan, right? If, you know, uh, Grandpa said, hey, I'd like to just spend the evening with with Jonathan here at your house. Everything will be cool. Okay, yeah, you can spend an evening with my son. And then they come back and they're gone, you know? And he's taking him out to deep space. That's a whole different story. And that's not what he wanted to tell. He wanted to tell this, yeah, I let my kid go off on this field trip. I lost the communication device, Uh, you know, like he wouldn't have some kind of backup for that. (laughs) Um, we know Superman to be smart. We know him to be caring and we know him not to be a fool. And Bendis made him all three of those things. He made him stupid. He made him, uh, a fool. I mean, he just, he altered the character so that he could tell the story. And that frustrates the living fuck out of me. Doesn't mean I won't ever read this story. I'm going to stop picking it up monthly. Yeah. I mean, if maybe on a 99 cent sale, if, if, if they big up, build up to an event that seems intriguing to me, then I'll get caught up on a 99 cent sale, but I'm out on a regular basis. Yeah. I think it means that I'm out on all, uh, Bendis' Superman stuff. So I'm out on action comics and I'm out on Superman. And I hate to say that, but I feel like I've given him every opportunity to win me over. And, And don't get me wrong. Bendis is an outstanding writer. I just don't care for the choices he's making. I mean, at this point we've given Bendis Eight months. We gave him yep. Man of Steel. We gave him seven issues of Superman and six or seven issues of Action Comics. I've given him enough. It's enough. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. no, I agree. I agree. Um, we 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 lived in hope, and honestly, we're we're not being rewarded for it for well, a four dollar book. And I did not care for Young Justice, so I'm not picking up issue two. I'm going to give Young Justice issue two a try, but uh, you know, I'm I'm cautious about that one. Uh, 
I I want Wonder Twins to be good. Yeah, but he's not writing that. Yeah, you know, he it's just under his Wonder Comics banner. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, Wonder Twins a, a, a try. But I just I'm I'm frustrated with my favorite character at my favorite company is so dissatisfying right now. Yeah. Well, honestly, our favorite two characters, and we you know we talked a little bit about this during the Funny Book Awards that that Batman's kind of gone off the rails. Though Detective Comics, you're doing good. So keep it keep, keep it up, Pete yeah. Tomasi. Just put T, Pete Tomasi on your book, and uh, you know that that guy can't can do no wrong. Um, I mean, not on a regular basis. He has not everything he does is a home run, but generally, I, I will enjoy his work. Well, and I will say that I like Tom King's work on Batman more than I don't like it. Yes. but like the the last week's Batman book, uh, where it had Professor Pig or whatever that guy's name is in yeah. it, I couldn't stand. I couldn't get through it. Uh, and, I, and it's largely because I didn't like the way uh, uh, I didn't care for the visual storytelling. And I certainly don't care for Professor Pig. And you have both of those things working against me. And uh, I, I, I'm going to have to finish it before the next issue comes <laughs> out. Uh, so I've got my homework ahead of me. But damn. Yeah. Well, speaking of Bendis, uh, next week features uh, Naomi number one, which is another book in that Wonder Comics um yeah, I'm not picking that up. Yeah, neither am I. Uh, but it's written by Bendis, uh, co-written by Bendis, um, and also by David Walker. Also from DC Comics, we get the second issue of Shazam. Shazam! From, from Jeff Johns and Dale Eaglesham. I will I will be picking that up. Um, yeah, I'm all in on that one. Uh, from Marvel Comics, we have the second issue of Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, as well as the new launch of Guardians of the Galaxy, featuring an all-new team. Um, rebooted after the events of the Infinity Wars or whatever the hell that crossover was called that I didn't buy. Um, I will likely not be buying Guardians of the Galaxy either. Do, you, do we know who's writing that one? Donny Cates, same guy who wrote Infinity yeah. Wars. It, it has yeah. Cosmic Ghost Rider in it and Dark Hawk. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Car- <laughs> I, I, see, I see Cosmic Rider, Ghost Talk, and Adam Warlock on the cover. And I'm like... Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I'll uh, have to take a look at the preview pages. Yeah, same here. Um, also from Marvel Comics, The Crypt of Shadows, number one, uh, written by Al Ewing. All new horror story. You know, Marvel's doing its 80th anniversary thing. And so they're bringing back the Crypt of Shadows uh, anthology horror oh. series. Um, doesn't really give much of a description on the solicit other than that it's a horror book. But I'll, I'll look at the preview pages. And finally, speaking of horror, Archie Horror is releasing a new book um, next week called Blossoms 666. Um, It's uh, issue one, brand new series. Cheryl and Jason Blossom are a pair of seemingly normal kids in Riverdale. They're wealthy, popular, and likable, but they also harbor a deep, dark secret. One of the Blossom twins is the Antichrist. Both want the title, and no one in Riverdale is safe. Um, Written by Cullen Bunn. So huh. I'm I'm intrigued. I will again look at the preview pages. Huh. <laughs> I, I might I might have to take a look at that one. So you know, Paul. Yes, sir. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but you know, this was delightful today. We should do this again. I think I think we should. I, I think that uh, we might need to change our phone number so that we don't have to uh, have Tim and Wayne on. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think that uh, you know. The 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 room for two is uh, much preferable to the party suite. That's I mean, there is saying. so much leg room. Oh, I know, right? I can stretch out. <laughs> I mean, I can lie down and podcast. I know it's great. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, guys. Uh, well, you know, if you want to chat with us about your thoughts on this week's comics or, you know, share an idea, give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the air, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on Twitter at Ideology Madness, Facebook IOM Geek, or Instagram IOM Geek. Awesome. Be sure to check out our various podcast channels there on the website at iomgeek.com. You'll see them over on the right side of the page. Uh, you can you know, select for Hansman. You can select uh, Star Trek with Aaron and Polage. Polage. Yeah, Polage. I'm going to Polage. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. I, I swear I have not been drinking this morning. It's probably just the stroke kicking in. Um, but we also have our Rainsboro feed out there, and we've got the uh, – uh, first three episodes of Ghosts of Rainsboro season two. Uh, the the fourth episode conclusion is upcoming, uh, leading into wait for it, wait for it, season four of Knights of Rainsboro. So uh, go out there and listen to, to some Rainsboro action there on the, uh, the, uh, the the site. Again, you'll find all of those podcast channels out there for you to uh, subscribe to. I don't know what is wrong with me. <laughs> We're going to take her out to the hospital. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> you know, I'm hungry, so the, the toast smells great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one, guys. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.